You're listening to the weekly teaching podcast of South Hills Church in Corona, California. We hope that what you hear today inspires you to laugh, question, think, and grow. If you'd like to connect with us even further, hit us up online at southhills.org forward slash corona. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. But the title of my message today is Time, Tech, and Towers. Time, Tech, and Towers. Try saying that five times real fast. It is a tongue twister. Um, I have three kids with my wife, Gretchen, and uh, I brought a picture. This is, these are my three kids right here uh, from our family photos this last year. And uh, man, uh, some of my favorite people in the whole world. Uh, Tegan is our daughter, and uh, she's the girl here, just, so, just to clarify that. And then the, the kid in the middle is our youngest. His name is Zeke, and obviously he's, he's applying for uh, his realtor's license uh, right before this photo, and so he had to come straight from there. Or he's running a political campaign. We can't decide what he's doing, but it's something official, right? And then Cohen is our, our middle child, our oldest boy, and he is the kid that, that refuses to dress up for family photos. Anybody got one of those? That's just like, and I remember this, this last year, he was just like, this is, these photos are supposed to be like capturing who we are. This is who I am. Why do you want me to be somebody that I'm not and remember that? And I'm like, that's actually a great point. You know what I mean? Like, I, he's got me. He's got me there. Uh, and I remember a, a while back, I was, I was riding uh, in the car with my kids. I have all three of my kids in the backseat of my car. And I'm driving, and, and something had, had happened to where one of them asked a question. And it was like I seized on the moment, like a lot of dads do, to like really make a, like a, a life lesson out of it. Any other dads do this, you're just like, this is my window. You know what I mean? They actually, they're asking for it. And I, I launched into this spiel and, and as it's going, as it's unfolding, I had this kind of like thing in my, in my mind of just like, this is actually going really well. Like I'm doing a great job. Like this should be in a movie. You know what I mean? Like what's happening? You ever had this moment as a dad where you're just like, I'm killing it right now. Like I am, I'm the, the life lesson, the way I'm framing it, whatever. And, um, and some of you may think like, man, you have an unfair advantage because you you put together, you know, talks and you talk for a living, man. Your kids must listen to you like even more than our kids listen to us. No, they do not. They, they don't because, you know, I'm just their dad, just like you or your kid's dad. And I think though, in my mind at this moment, that this is a real lean-in moment. And they're, they're just there, they're hanging on every word. And we get to a stoplight and I look back just to see, I mean, I'm expecting to see like tears in their eyes and just them moved and ready to just like change the trajectory of their whole lives based on this nugget that I'm sharing with them. And I, I adjust the rear view mirror at this stoplight just to see what they're doing. And I look back, all three of them on screens. No one has heard a word I said. My daughter's on her phone. Both my boys are looking at the same. One of them's playing on an iPad. The other one's watching. The other one playing on an iPad. No one's making eye contact. I'm like, hey, 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 guys. Look at me. Did you even hear a word I said? And my daughter's like, yeah, we all heard you. And then I'm like, okay, this is the dad trick, right? I'm like, tell me what I just said. Anybody ever done this one? Tell me what I just said. And my kids are like, you were talking about like life and like how it's just like, you gotta, you know, be good. And I'm like, you guys weren't listening. You're making stuff up. Like you weren't, you were looking at your screen. You weren't paying attention to me. And then my middle son, uh, I, I won't reveal like his name, but he's the one right there in the middle. He said back to me so quick. He goes, you mean like you do to us sometimes? And I was like, oh, 
You ever, you ever have a moment where like one of your kids unexpectedly just zings you just right through the heart? I gotta tell you this, like if you are not a parent yet, um, no one can cut you down to size quicker and more effectively than your own kids because they know you. They know the ins and outs. They know the weaknesses. They know all the little spots. And here I am like trying to teach my kids something and my kids throw it right back on me. And in the moment, I'm just like, I wanted to discipline them so hard, but I'm like, they're kind of right. You know, like I'm remembering moments where like they were trying to passionately tell me something that they were just as excited about as this lesson I'm as excited to share with them. And, and I was distracted, you know, I was on my phone, I was texting someone back. I was trying to email something for work. I was like checking a score for a game that I was following in a playoff series. Like just all these number of things that captured my interest at the moment that pulled it away from something that was, you know, unarguably more significant. And I remember just feeling frustrated in that moment, like frustrated that I was called out and even more frustrated that it was true. And feeling like, man, you can't punish a kid for that. I mean, I did. But like still, I felt a little bad about it. And I, the reason why I bring this up is, is that I think whether you are a parent or not, whether you're a dad or not, I think a lot of us give a lot of time to a lot of things of very little importance. And I wonder if you've noticed this about your own life. Like one really good like sort of checkup that you can do on yourself. You know that like feature that it has on your phone where you can look at your usage for the past week and for the past month. Has anybody ever done this before? It's, I'm convinced that mine is lying to me because there's no way. I'm like, there's no possible way I could have spent that much time on my, it was just like a moment here and a moment there. And like a, a few, like little, t at a stoplight here and just scrolling here, just during a break at a doctor's and just all these little moments, but it adds up over time. And I, I start thinking when you see it all in one big lump, like, man, what else could I have done? with that stretch of time, with that much time. But I think it's, it's bigger than that. I think it's bigger than just time on our phones or time watching TV or time participating in our hobbies. Like sometimes, you know, we do waste time because we're aimless and sometimes our aim is just off, right? We are intentionally aiming at something. We're trying to do something. We're being focused about something. It just, we discover later that the thing that we were focused on happened to be the wrong thing, or just a thing of lower priority. And I wonder if you've had this moment too where you were going after something that seems so significant and then until you achieved it or until you'd accomplished it or until something else happened in your life that drew your attention to the fact that maybe the thing that you've given the majority of time to is really not the most important. It's taken you away from something that is much more significant. And I think wasted time is, is this little fox, right? It's like this little thing, these little moments that kind of get away from us. But it, it can add up to uh, being a really, really big deal. And in fact, there are warnings about this in the Old Testament in multiple places. One of my favorites comes from this psalm. It's actually in the middle of a song, of this piece of poetry written by David, who's, who's being pulled in so many different directions, who has all of these priorities, some of which are important to him, some of which are important to other people, some of which are just his culture is put on him. And he, he prays this prayer in Psalm 39. He says this, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. 
Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You've made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you at best. Each of us is but a breath. What an interesting prayer. It seems like because this comes from so long ago that we've always had this tendency to lose track of our lives, to, to end up accidentally giving our time to things that don't really matter, to, to make things and occupy ourselves and pursue things that pull us away from more important priorities. And, and, and today I wanna really unpack with you this really interesting story in the Old Testament that talks about this idea and maybe a way that you haven't thought of. Maybe you've heard of this story, maybe you've never seen it before, but it's a very interesting, quirky story. It's found in the book of Genesis chapter 11, and I just want to unpack it a little bit together. This is what it says. It says, at, at, at one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language. They used the same words. And as the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia, and they settled there, and, and they began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. And in this region, bricks were used instead of stone, and, and tar was used for mortar. So the story starts off really positively, right? Like everybody's getting along, everybody is connected, they're incredibly creative. And I say creative because they use their creativity to invent a brand new technology. They, they, they conspire to bring about something that has never really existed before. And this technology is bricks. Now, maybe that feels like weird to you because you're like, technology? What are you talking about? Like a technology is like a phone or an iPad or like, you know, a wireless function. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's got to be an electronic. But in reality, that's not a holistic definition of technology because when you boil it down to its essence, technology is really anything that enables us to do something faster, easier, on a larger scale, or with less energy. Maybe this expands the scope of how you think about technology and advances in technology. According to this definition, this includes a lot of things that maybe you've never considered before. For instance, the alphabet, right? The alphabet is a piece of technology. Before the alphabet existed, any sort of like communication between people in any sort of like written form was just a massive game of Pictionary. And we've all seen how that can go sideways. How many of you thought you were an amazing drawer and other people are just like, that is not what that is, okay? <laughs> that looks like something totally different. I think about how many miscommunications happened before the technology of the alphabet was invented. I think about just all the mishaps, uh, like uh, family vacations that have taken place during games of Pictionary, right? Where people felt insulted and angry and hurt. You know what I mean? Because you kept guessing one thing and they're just like, that is not what that is. And they got frustrated. Technology also includes like paper money. This is a massive advancement in technology. Before that, if you wanted like a new pair of pants or you wanted to get a haircut, right? You would have to trade uh, a pig, you know what I mean? Or like a candle that you made in your basement to try and get those things, right? It was the barter system and it had to be fresh. It had to be right then and right there. Paper money enabled people to trade something or sell something for something that stood in for it and then be able to, to compound that money. They, they didn't have to trade at the moment they needed something. They could, they could save, they could prepare. 
for the future. It was a massive advancement. Um, some of you are like, that next picture, am I crazy? It looks like a horse. Uh, did we invent horses? We didn't. But like a horseback riding, right, is a technology, okay? And again, this may expand your definition a little bit. Like horses existed, but one day somebody was just like, I got an idea. Why don't we befriend and ride those beasts? And somebody was like, it'll never work. And then they saw a guy riding around. And they're like, are you kidding me? That's possible? I've been walking everywhere. What a waste of time. That is going to save us so much effort and energy. We're going to be able to get so much done. Incredible. And of course, this story illuminates that the brick was an amazing piece of technology because, you know, with the brick, you, you have so much more capability to do things that really have never even been done before. Before the invention of the brick that we're seeing outlined in this story, people made everything of sticks and stones and mud, right? Like, you can't really build a lot of great things of that. We all know that what the best you can build, even the big bad wolf can blow down, okay? That's not helpful. These people innovate bricks. And when you add that to the technology of tar as mortar, suddenly you can build things faster than you could before, but you can also build different things than you could build before. You could build things you never even thought were possible. Suddenly, this new technology expands your idea of what's possible. Your imagination begins to run wild. You begin to think like, what in the world could we do with this? And, and of course, this is the question that all new technology inevitably brings up, this question of what do we do with it? Now that we've discovered it, now that we can get access to it, what do we do with it? Maybe a better question would be what should we do with it, right? And, and, and will the thing that we do with it, will it make us better or worse? Will what we do with this make us more or less productive? Will it push us closer to our core values or will it pull us further away from these things? Like, will leveraging this piece of technology have any unintended consequences? Because we're so excited about it, these new possibilities, we're not thinking about the potential downsides that they might have to offer. And we don't know how deeply these people wrestled with these questions. We do know what they did, though. It says this, Genesis chapter 11, verse 4, it says, Then they said, Let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. And why do they want to do this? Because this will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. So they want to make a tower because they want to be famous, right? Not the, I mean, that is a goal, maybe not the most noble of goals, right? They just want to be famous. And what do we mean by famous? Like, what is famous mean here? Like, oddly enough, it means pretty much the same thing it means now. To be famous is to be well-known, is to be popular, is to be seen in some ways as superior, to be impressive, to be enviable, to be successful, and to most likely be wealthy. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. We're being told that this entire society is pursuing this one project for the express purpose of being famous. Imagine an entire culture of people where this is the highest value. 
where this is the pinnacle of achievement, where this is what everyone wants and works towards. Imagine like, you know, the impact on the people who live in that culture. Imagine how this aim might change or reshape their value system. Imagine how it would change the way that they spent their time. Imagine the way it would shift the way that they found meaning in life. Some of you are like, is this a trick question? Because this sounds like our culture. And I know this because if you are to ask pretty much any kid what they want to be when they grow up, they're going to tell you, famous. I want to be famous. In fact, there are all of these sociological studies that have been done in recent history where kids in grade school, this is the number one answer. I want to be rich and famous. You're thinking like, how would you even achieve that? If you ask a kid that, they'll tell you right away. YouTube be a YouTube star. You could, people will send you toys and you just play with them, open them, and you just make a billion dollars. You know what I mean? You just like, you just like do a dance. This doesn't even have to be your dance. You do a dance that somebody else made up that a million other people have done and you do it the same way they did it and you just, people just give you money, right? And as a grown person, you're like, that's crazy. There's no way that way. Actually, this, uh, wow, that, that really is happening. That's what these people are doing. I don't get it. This is the aim of so many of us in our society. Maybe we don't have this, this dream even as, as grownups to be famous in the way that kids want to be famous. But like, look at these other adjectives. Isn't this something that we really deeply desire? We want to be known. We would love the thing that we're doing to be, you know, a little bit. We want to be the best in our industry. We'd love, I mean, I don't like that word superior, but like we want to be a little bit better than everybody else. We want what we do to be impressive, we, we, we want people to envy what we have and what we do and how we do it. We want to be successful. And man, being wealthy, that wouldn't hurt. Okay, I wouldn't turn it down. I would like for it to dead end there. The point is, the people in this particular story who are obsessed with this thing, they're not looking to leverage their technology to make the world better. Their, their, their first idea is not like, how can we leverage this to alleviate suffering? How could we leverage this to make other people's lives better? Maybe even people that aren't like us. Like, how could we leverage this thing to help make people whole, to help them become all that God intended for them to be? They don't really care about any of these things. They don't really ask themselves any of these questions according to this story. They just want to be seen as successful no matter what it takes. And, and this is the point I really want to make about technology because this is not an anti-technology message because the reality of it is technology is neutral. But how we harness it is not. What we do with it determines what it does to us. And this is why it's important to slow down and wrestle with what our usage of technology is doing to us. This entire community is focused on building this tower and they were incredibly unified, right? That's what we're told. Like they're, they're all like in agreement. They're all going after this one goal. They're all speaking the same language. They're all focused on the same exact project. And it's great that they're unified, but on behalf of what? And sometimes we can prioritize unity, and that feels great, and I do think that's a noble pursuit, but unity on behalf of what? Because sometimes 
it's better not to be unified than to be unified in pursuit of the wrong purpose. This isn't something that we talk much about. I wonder if the unity that we're pursuing is rallied around the right things. Like just a historical observation. I don't know if you've noticed this. The Nazis were very unified. Not their problem. On the same page. Not necessarily a noble goal. A horrible goal. A dehumanizing goal. A godless goal. Unity wasn't their problem, though. What their unity was aimed at was. The, the point of their unity was what was off. Maybe you're looking at this and being like, man, this is just a tower, right? It's not the eradication of a people group. Like, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't seem as, maybe it's a little bit bad, but it's not as bad. And just because maybe our, on our scale of badness, building this tower may not seem like the worst possible thing, and I agree, maybe it's not. But the issue with it is that it is pulling them away from something better. If everyone in the community is primarily first and foremost focused on the building of this tower, there are a whole lot of things that are not as focused on, like investing in their families, like building solid relationships, like bettering their community, like worshiping their God. For them, their core priorities were build, achieve, earn, and succeed. Build, achieve, earn, and succeed. That's who we are as a people. That's what we care about. That's what this society, how they functioned. Does this sound familiar to you at all? This can easily become, if we're not careful, the thing that we care most about and that we invest most in, to build, succeed, earn, and achieve. And even if the way in which we go about those things is somewhat noble, sometimes it's just that it takes us away from something else. And this is often the cruel irony of technology is that, you know, what we invent to save us time can end up stealing our focus. And I wonder if you've noticed that this can be true in your life now too. That the thing that like was innovated to save you time when you actually look at the way you spend your time, it's not saving you as much as it's stealing from you. Maybe you look at your life and you're just like, my phone, it just makes everything so convenient. Like I have everything in the palm of my hand, in my pocket at all times. And also at the same time, it takes me away from paying attention to the people that are right in front of me at times. Like, the okay, the, the TV subscriptions that I have, right, which enable me to get access to every show, every movie, every sporting event that I could possibly want to get access to. I can watch it on demand when I feel like it. And it is a tremendous ability. But it also, if I'm honest, it kind of tears me away from wanting to do things face-to-face -face with real people because it's not as convenient as just laying down, flipping a switch. You know, being able to watch 
Church Online, tremendous gift. I mean, where would we have been this last year without having the ability to do that? And in fact, I've enjoyed it so much, got so much out of it. In my mind, it started to make me think like, maybe I don't ever really need to attend in person and be with other people in order to push my spiritual journey forward. And yet, if I'm honest, I don't know that all this being segmented away from others is actually healthy for me. I, I, I don't know if it's actually making me better. I think it might be making me worse. And here's the point. Most of us, I don't think we, we slow down and think through what the things we're devoted to might be depriving us of. And that's ultimately a big part of what this story is about is you have these people who latch on to this new technological advancement and they get so obsessed with its potential that they don't stop to wrestle with whether or not it's purposeful. And they point themselves in this direction exclusively. This whole idea makes me think of something that the great philosopher, Dr. Ian McCollum said in Jurassic Park. (laughs) You guys were thinking this too, right? Remember the scene where he's talking about like their creation of dinosaurs and everything is like falling apart because they were like, we should get dinosaurs and put them in a theme park, right? Even as you heard that pitch as a movie, you're like, this is gonna end poorly, right? And the people in the movie, they don't know it. And he says this line, he says, "They, they, they were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. What is this? It's the same story that takes place in the book of Genesis, right? It's, it's the Tower of Babel all over again. It's this idea of embracing a technology and becoming obsessed with the possibilities, with the potential, but not actually slowing down and saying like, wait, 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 wait. but like, is this... Is this thing that we've innovated to try and make things better, is it actually, is it possible it could make things worse? Do we need to slow down and wrestle with this? Do we need to think about it a little bit more? But of course, the people in Jurassic Park just forge ahead. Some of you, you're going to go home and watch Jurassic Park today. You're welcome. That's a, that's a great Father's Day, I'll just tell you. Like, yeah, you, you could do a lot of things, right? You, you could live life with your phone always in your hands, but should you? Right? You, you can spend every single evening of your life sequestering yourself and just watching TV, but should you? you? You can spend a disproportionate amount of your time pursuing the same things that the people in this story pursue, this idea of achievement and success at all costs, but should you? wonder what it's taking you away from. And the caution, I think, in this story is that we often don't feel the impact of a truly pointless pursuit until it's too late. I I wonder, like, this is something I wonder. I always wonder what's happening between the lines of the story. I think about what it would be like to be these people at this time in history. I wonder how many people in this community, like, even wanted to build the tower. I mean, they were all doing it, but how many people were just kind of like, 
I mean, it's not really what I want to do, but it's just like everyone's doing it. You know what I mean? They just kind of went along. They just sort of got caught up in the way that everyone else was living their lives, and they just like they did. They wanted unity, and they were just like, okay, let's go for it, right? Like, and and those people, they may not have had the same intentions, right? But because they they carried out the same actions, they ended up getting the same outcomes. Because, you know, they they didn't take control of their own story and they allowed themselves to be swept up in everyone else's story. Things didn't really go or end well for them either. In much the same way, they were all eaten by dinosaurs. No, that was Jurassic Park. Sorry, I, I I get them confused sometimes. I wonder if you do this though. I wonder if you kind of make this excuse, right? Like maybe there's something intuitively where you're like, I don't, I'm not really living the way I want to live or I'm not living according to like the best version of myself. But like, you know, we kind of, you, maybe you make an excuse where you're just like, mm, but like, listen, maybe I shouldn't be on my phone. But like they're on their phone just as much as me. Okay, that's all I'm saying. So, I mean, I don't, <laughs> like, is it that maybe I, but like, listen, they work just as many hours as I do. We work the same schedule, okay? So, like, I don't know, like, why it's just, like, I don't think you should be, like, they're not in a growth group, okay? So, I don't, I mean, and all, all of these excuses may be accurate. Maybe all these are true statements about the other people that are sort of in your orbit. But do you want the same outcome as them? Do you really want their life? Maybe you're like, yeah, they're rich, okay? Do you want their marriage? Do you want the way their kids talk about them to be the way your kids talk about you? Do do, do you want their relationship with God? Do you want their level of peace? On the flip side, do you want their level of stress and anxiety? Here's what I hope you ask yourself at some point when you leave today. Like, where is what you're doing with your time? Where is it taking you? Where is what you're doing with your time taking you? The Apostle Paul, who, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, he, 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 gives it, he says it this way. In this letter to some of the very first Christians, he says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity In these evil days, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. There's so much here. Like, be careful. In other words, don't just get swept up and go along with, like, what everybody else is doing. Like, be be careful. Be intentional. Don't be foolish. Be wise. What do wise people do? Wise people think about the compound effect of their actions. Not just this moment, but where are all these little moments adding up to and where are they taking me? Who are they turning me into? Make the most of every opportunity. Like don't throw certain opportunities in the trash and pick it, make the most of every opportunity. What does it mean in these evil days, right? It means simply that like, if you are in a season where you are surrounded by people who do not share your values, Maybe you're in a workplace or you're in a family system where they're not pressing ahead and they don't prioritize the same things as you. Like, don't get swept up in the way they're living. Choose how you want to live. Become the person you want to be. Don't act thoughtlessly. 
This is an interesting line. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. Just understand. Just understand it. I don't, how do I understand, right? This is the crazy part. This is literally the Apostle Paul saying like, listen, if you slowed down long enough and looked inside, you'll notice that you have a certain internal, spiritual, emotional reaction to the way that you've structured your story. And part of the reason some of us don't want to slow down is because we'll be able to know what God wants and doesn't want us doing. Maybe we don't want to stop. So what happens to people in this story? Genesis chapter 11, verse 5 says this. The Lord came down. This is like the part where dad comes home. You just wait till your father gets home. This is that part, right? The Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said the people are united and they all speak the same language. And after this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. What an interesting thing to say. We'll come back to that. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages, and then they won't be able to understand each other. And in that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world, and they stopped building the city. This is why the city is called Babel, because that's where the Lord confused the people with different languages, and this way scattered them all over the world. So God inserts himself in the story. God gets involved in this moment. Why? There's this discussion of like, man, they'd be able to do this, then they'll have unlimited potential. They'll be able to do anything they set their mind to. So wait, is this saying that God does not want people to achieve, that God does not want people to succeed? It's not that God doesn't want people to be successful. It's that he doesn't want people to self-destruct. What's happening here is that these people in this story they won't deprioritize the wrong things willingly, and so God decides to push them in that direction. They wouldn't put the right parameters in place to keep the proper priorities in order, so God does it for them. There's a word for this. It's called parenting. That's what parenting is, right? Like good parents put healthy parameters on their kids that their kids are not mature enough yet to put on themselves. And then what happens to those kids? They fight back. Don't you dare prevent me from doing what I want to do, what I feel like doing, right? But this is not about what's possible. It's about what's priority. And this is what God wants to help us with, what God wants to help these people with, is not becoming so obsessed with what's what's possible that we begin to ignore what's purposeful, what's most purposeful, what's most priority in life. And so God disrupts things, and I've done this with my kids. No, you cannot have ice cream for dinner because we already had ice cream for lunch, okay? We can't be, it's not, I know your mom's not home, but listen, this is not good for any of us, me included. No, you can't just spend three straight days only playing video games and never leaving your room. First of all, that is not what a bottle of soda is for, okay? Using the restroom so you don't have to leave your room and pause the game. Listen, we are not doing this. My boys have never done this. 
and they're not in here right now, so hopefully they won't get that idea. Some of you are like, oh, that's a trick. No, don't utilize that, right? We place parameters because we're like, this is not good for you. But how do we ourselves, how do we know if something is truly a waste of time? How do we know when something that maybe isn't technically bad is just bad for us in this moment, during this season? I think a good thing becomes a bad thing when it distracts us from the best thing. And a lot of us will not slow down our lives long enough to understand if this thing is doing damage in our lives. And to help let these people understand this lesson, God scrambles their language and he scatters them across the earth. And I I think the big takeaway from this, at least from my perspective, on a bigger, broader, grander human nature level is that, you know, this isn't just about what happened, it's about what always happens. When we elevate our desire to build and succeed and earn and achieve over everything else in life, the outcome is often an inability to connect and communicate with the people around you. And it often causes them to scatter from you. And some of you, you don't need an Old Testament story about a tower to tell you that because this in some ways is the story of you and your father where the obsession with building and succeeding and earning and achieving put this weird barrier between the two of you. And you didn't know how to connect and communicate with them anymore. And then when you got your chance to get out of there, you did. You scattered. Some of you, this isn't maybe necessarily the story you had with your father. Maybe it is, but like maybe this is more impactful because you were in danger of telling this sort of story when it comes to your relationship with your kids. This is part of the the beauty of the way that we organize our calendar as a a people, as a community, right? Is that we have these little moments like Father's Day and like Christmas and like summer break to put a pause on kind of what we're just automatically doing and begin to ask ourselves, is this really what I ought to be doing? Is this the way I want to live? Is this who I want to be? Is this the best use of my time? Is this turning me into the type of person I'm going to be proud of? And then the story just kind of ends. I I, I mean, I wonder what happened after that. We don't really know. Except that probably a lot of people had a lot of important questions to answer about bricks. And by the way, this is what always happens when, you know, uh, a piece of technology ruins someone, someone's priorities in like a very real way, they and their community have to begin to assess like how, how do we move forward? And there are different things that we could decide. And I would guess that there were different categories of people who took away different things from this experience. One of these options would be you could decide when technology pushes your life sideways, you can decide that the technology is bad and that it needs to be abandoned, right? For these people, it would look like bricks are bad and anyone who uses bricks is evil. They're going straight to hell. That would be one way of approaching it. And for a long time, a lot of Christians have taken this approach with a lot of things, right? I remember in the 80s when I grew up, it seemed like we were boycotting a new thing every single week. Like, I don't know if the technology is what is not working, but maybe our usage of it was not appropriate. It's not best for us. You, you could also decide 
as an option that the technology is beneficial, but it needs boundaries. It's a question that these people don't really seem to have asked themselves, like, what good could we do with bricks that doesn't conflict with our value system? Because the thing that's wrong with what we were doing with bricks this time is that it does conflict with what we value, with putting God first, with putting our family first, with putting our values first. But what could we do with this technology that doesn't conflict? Or the other option would be like you can decide to ignore the wisdom that you've collected and place no limits on yourself whatsoever. In this story, it would have been like, and I'm sure this happened. There's like a group of people who are like, Who's ready to build tower number two? Let's do it. And people are like, did you seriously? Do you remember what just happened? That was like five minutes ago. That was a fluke. That was just them. That was a weird thing. That's not going to happen to us. I want you to think about your life for a moment. The way you spend your time. I want you to think about everything that God has, has given you, has entrusted you with during your short window on this earth, the time, the skill set, the energy, the personality, the money, the resources. What are you doing with these things? And is what you are doing going to be worth it? Is what you are leveraging the moments, the resources, the time, the technology in your life, is it, is it making you better or worse? Is it making you more or less productive? Is it pushing you closer to your values or is it pulling you further away from these things? And here's what I wanna challenge you to do. I wanna challenge you this week as we seize upon the moment of celebrating this sort of break, this holiday of celebrating fathers to think about the kind of people that we wanna be and to decide what you are going to give less time to so that you can give more time to something that matters more. No one is making more time. You only have a brief handful of moments. But I don't want you just to keep this decision to yourself. I want you to set clear parameters around what you're going to do, and I want you to share those with the people closest to you so that they can hold you accountable, so that the goals are, are not just locked up in your head, but so that you have a way to guard against the little fox of wasted time in your life because you cannot get it back. What would this look like for you? I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's taking a break from social media for a while. Maybe all social, maybe, maybe just certain platforms, maybe just unfollowing certain people, not because they're bad, but because right now they're bad for you. Maybe this moment in time, it's, it's you know, getting like a basket or something that you put on the center of your table. And like when you sit down to eat at night, like everyone's got to put like their technology into their, their phones and all their stuff. And you just have to sit and talk and make eye contact until the dinner is over. Maybe for you, it looks like deciding to walk away from a job that is sucking your soul dry because it's pointing your life in a direction that is inconsistent with your, your values. It's, it's pulling you away from putting God and your family first in ways that are detrimental to who you really wanna be. I don't, I don't know 
what the boundaries you need to put in place are because I'm not you, but what I, I do know is that it is not acting thoughtlessly. It's not fumbling through your life. It's not wasting time that you can never get back. It's something better. It's something wiser. It's something more purposeful. Seize the moment and allow God to point you in his direction. Would you bow your heads across this room today? I wanna pray into your life that God would help you leverage this moment to do this in your life. God, we are grateful for the lives that you have given us, for the time that you have given us. God, we know that we do not have forever. God, some moments, some seasons, we're more aware of this than others, but in this moment, make us hyper aware of how we are spending our time, how we are aiming our priorities, how we are leveraging the technology in our lives. And God, I, I pray that you would help us to prioritize things that truly matter by placing boundaries on things that matter less. God, that you would enable us to be people who seek you first, who prioritize the people that you have put around and in front of us. God, that we would not wake up one day scattered and disconnected because we elevated the wrong priorities. God, as we place you as the center of our existence, may you lead us into a life to the full. In Jesus' name, amen.